morning, everyone. So today we have a, we're continuing our walk through Matthew's gospel. We're in Matthew 14. We have been for the last couple weeks. And uh, last week, if you remember, Jesus fed the 5,000, and this is the scene immediately after. Now, before we jump into our main theme today, I just want to give you a little bit of confidence in your Christian faith. So sometimes, I forget this is still out there, but sometimes you will hear educated people, scholars of scripture even, and you'll hear people out there and they'll say, you know, I don't know, maybe you're watching like one of those like 60 minute specials, you know, and they always have these things where it's like, did Jesus really, you know, claim to be God? And they'll interview people like Bart Ehrman, who's a scripture scholar. And they'll have people out there and they say, you know, Jesus probably didn't really think he was God. It was a later invention of the church. That is really, really stupid. Okay? And I just want to encourage you, that is unbelievably unintelligent. Unbelievably so. And you should not fall for this. The overwhelming majority of scholars know that that is unbelievably stupid. And sorry if I, sorry for saying stupid in church. Not really. Okay. Today I just want to show you that really quickly. Here's the thing. Today Jesus shares, the way the New Testament wants to show you that Jesus is God is they want to show you. They don't want to just tell you, they want to show you. And in the, all through Jewish belief and in the Old Testament and all of the, the belief about God, there are certain things only God can do. One of them is that God has mastery over the waters. Water in the scriptures is a symbol of chaos. In Genesis 1, when God creates the world, the Spirit of God hovers over the waters and he brings order out of chaos. Today's gospel gets even better than that, though. It shows you Jesus shares that attribute that only God has. It shows you that, but it gets even better. Our translation today is atrocious. Jesus, there's a, there's a storm on the waters. Jesus walks on the water and he says in the Greek, he says, ego eimi. Now all of you should know this, no matter if you, whatever place you're at in your faith, everybody say, ego eimi. Ego eimi is the name of God from Exodus 3.14. When Moses appears, or when God appears to Moses in the burning bush, and Moses says, hey, what's your name? When I go to the, the Jews and they ask, which God sent me, what should I tell them? God answers and he says, ego eimi. Jesus today walks on the water in the middle of a storm. And they're terrified and he says, do not be afraid. And our translation today says, it is I. Whoever translated that gets a big fat F for translation, right? Jesus walks on the water. He says, don't be afraid. Ego eimi. I am. 
At the end of the story, it says they got down and paid him homage. The, the Greek word there is proskuneo. It means they worshiped him. So I could go on forever. I've already gone too long. I just want to give you some, some thought here. The New Testament doesn't just tell you Jesus is God. It does that. Jesus does more than that. He shows you that he is God. And he did that in no uncertain terms today. Okay, so that wasn't meant to be a full homily, but here you go, two for one Sunday. In my community, we do on birthdays, I had a birthday not too long ago, it was a big one, big 4-0. In the Bible, that's a biblical generation, so my life is essentially over. Um, but, but I turned 40, and in my community, when someone has a birthday, what we do is we do honorings. And so the guys go around, and they honor you for something. And you, it's not a gift. It has to be something you've chosen. And it's always a little hard to receive that, you know. But it was really funny this year. One of my best friends, uh, Father Jason Wunsch, who's in my community, who's been my friend for over 20 years. And Father Jason, uh, he was like, Larkin, I just want to honor you this year. And he wanted to talk about biking. You've heard me talk about this, my community, we've all gotten into cycling. He's like, Larkin, I want to honor you for your humility. And I'm like, oh boy, what is this going to be? <laughs> what is this going to mean? And so Jason goes on and he says, he says, you know, Larkin, you're not a very good biker. It's like, okay, <laughs> is this going to get any better? He's like, you're not really a very strong biker. He's like, but you know what? You, you just keep going with us. And he's like, you know every time we go for a bike ride, you are going to just get owned. <laughs> and you go anyways. And I'm like, okay, can, can we move on to somebody else now, right? But he was right. And it was a really funny moment of honoring because it is kind of true. When I first started biking, and this is, this is going to lead us into what I want to challenge you to today in your Christian walk, is that when you first start biking, I got on a bike, and, and you start, and right away, if you stick with it a little bit, you see a bunch of improvement. And it's really exciting. And I saw that. I was like, man, like, I really am. I'm getting a lot better. And all of a sudden you think, you know, wow, like I'm, I'm kind of like a biker now. Like I can do this. But what you learn if you stay with anything in your life, anything long enough, when you first start something, you see big growth. But what you learn is that with almost anything in life, is that the step from here to here is much easier than the steps afterwards. So when I go biking in the Companions, I bike with the guys who are pretty impressive. And I'm a, I'm a fine biker. I enjoy it. But there's a big difference between that first step of growth to really becoming excellent. And here's what I want to challenge you on today. Today's homily, if you're someone who's just getting on the bike as a Christian, if you're like, you know, Father Brian, I took a big chance to come back to church and I think I want to follow Jesus, 
Praise God, today's homily is not for you. Thank you for taking that chance. Thank you for stepping out, and that's the first step, and that's so good. But today's homily is not for you. Today's homily is for those of you who took that first step and have done that before in the past, and now Jesus is going to try to take you to that elite status. That's what today's gospel is about. And I want to I really challenge you today because I know this is most of you. You are not called to be an average, everyday Christian. You're not called to that. You are called to a profound holiness, a profound maturity in Christ. And for those of us who have lived the faith for a number of years, in a serious way, I'm not talking about I happen to be a Christian. If you have been following him in a serious way, you know that the first step was really beautiful, and it was hard in some ways, but it was just filled with joy, and you saw a ton of progress, and you know that the next steps are much harder. Today's homily is for you. And today, Jesus Christ wants to challenge you that you are called to an excellence, to a maturity, and to a holiness that is way up here. So St. Paul has a really helpful line with this. St. Paul says this in Romans 5. He says in Romans 5, 3, he says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Brothers and sisters, today I want to talk to you about getting in that boat. We're going to talk about that that boat is is this challenge of the Christian life. And hear this again, St. Paul, Romans 5.3. We rejoice in our sufferings. You and I, who are not first-time Christians, but I know in your heart and your soul, I know you have heard God say to you, Come deeper. Come deeper. Right? Leave behind the basics. Right? And come deep with me. Those of us who have heard that call, right? St. Paul can say with us, we rejoice in our sufferings. Why would you ever rejoice in sufferings? Because they're meaningful knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. You see, God wants to build something in you. You who are called to Christian maturity, God is not content with like, okay, you came and followed me, we're good. He wants to produce something powerful and beautiful in you. In today's gospel, we hear this boat crossing. And if we read the scriptures carefully, as you are called to do, this is the second time this has happened in Matthew's gospel. 
This is not the first time. There's a very similar story in Matthew 8. In Matthew 8, Jesus is asleep in the boat. There's a big storm. And Jesus, the disciples wake him up. And they say, Lord, we're going to perish. And he wakes up, he rebukes the storm, he calms it. And after he calms the storm, the, the disciples say, Who is this man? Who is this man who calms the storm? And what I want to submit to you is that in the Christian life, it's a journey, it's the way, it's the walk. And that's early in your Christian life. Early in your Christian life, you're, you're on the fence and maybe you got in the boat and you say, oh, Lord, are you really who I think you are? Are you really who you claim to be? Is Father Brian right? And you're asking that question and with the, uh, the disciples in the boat, you say, who is this man? And your faith grows a little bit because in your life there was a storm and you took a chance on Christ and you found peace. And he calmed the storm. But here in chapter 14, you've come a long way since those days. You've seen him multiply the loaves and the fish. You've seen him heal people. And you're on board. And here's what Origen says about today's gospel. You knew there had to be a quote from Origen. Origen says this. He says, what is this boat into which Jesus forced the disciples to embark? He's talking about today's gospel. Jesus commands the disciples. He says, go get in that boat. Go to the other side. What is this boat into which Jesus forced the disciples to embark? Quick pause. Do you know where you're sitting? If you go to a non-Catholic Christian church, they would refer to the whole inside of the church as the sanctuary. We do not. The sanctuary is where the steps start, where the altar is. You are seated in the, seated in the part of the church that is called the nave. You know what a nave is? A nave is a main part of a boat. If you're going to be a Christian, you have to be in the boat of St. Peter. And you're here today and you're sitting in the boat of the church. But are you really? So Origen, what is this boat? He says, is it perhaps the conflict to which one goes unwillingly as it were? All because the Savior wishes his disciples to get some training in this boat as it gets buffeted by the waves and the contrary wind. Right, Origen says, you know what the nave is? You know what the boat is? The boat is that Jesus, I'll follow you, but I want an easy life. And I'm not talking today about things that happen in the world, that happen to everybody. I'm talking about the trials of a Christian disciple. If you're a real Christian disciple, Jesus says, Hey, Brian, you know that friendship that you really treasure? Give it up.
You know that way that you fit in and you never cause conflicts in your place of work or among your friendships? Brian, you need conflict in your life. No one becomes mature as a Christian if you do not get in the boat. If you don't do things in your life that you never would have done except that Jesus Christ says, you, come follow me. Turn off your social media. Here's one, stand up for things that matter. When people in your neighborhood and in your friendships and at your workplace, when they say that, you know, our bodies don't matter, that gender is totally fluid, and you say, we love people who suffer with such things, but it's not true. When people say, right, that, that any type of loving relationship is the same thing as a marriage, you know what I would like to do? When people bring up those kinds of things, I like to be like, you know what, my mom just called, I need to go talk to her. <laughs> But he said to me, he said, Brian, get in the boat. Do you really love me? Are you really a disciple? Get in the boat. You can never be a mature Christian if you do not face the waves and the wind and the trials of the Christian life. Maybe, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 20, maybe 50 years ago, you said, yep, I'm a Catholic. But the truth is, is that the temptation for all of us is to be a Catholic in name, but we're not really in the nave. We're not really facing the wind and the waves and the trials that come from following Jesus Christ. Origen finishes his quote, and he says this, he says, it is not possible to get to the other side without enduring the temptations of waves and contrary wind. Do you want to walk on water? You're like, no. <laughs> yeah, you do. In Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus first causes the disciples to get in the boat, Peter was not ready to walk on water. 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 50 years ago, you weren't ready to walk on water. And you can only get there, right? Peter wasn't 100% there, obviously, in today's story. But man, I've never, I've never taken 10 steps on water. That only happens for those who get in the boat. Are you doing that? Are you surrendering your life? Are you willing to suffer for Jesus Christ? Lord, today, for those of us who have already decided to follow you, Jesus, give us real growth and holiness. Lord, help me to get in the boat to face the storm. Because I know that you are God and you are Lord over the storm. 
And Jesus, in my weaknesses, in my fears, Lord, I know you can calm the storm. Lord, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing, and I know it, I know that the suffering I take on for you, my suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us.